0: happy mother's day i love that that was beautiful every word of it the truth i am so so privileged to be able to speak to you today i wasn't actually going to share this but i feel like i'm somebody needs to hear this when i tell you the resistance that i have had about speaking this message that is the honest to goodness truth I am excited because I'm like, let's go. We're preaching this today. I don't care what comes up against me. I'm not talking about just today and there was stuff today. I'm talking about last Mother's Day. Crazy, crazy, stupid attempts to keep me from being up here. This is a simple message, but this is for this house today. All of you online, please, I implore you. Connect your heart. Just decide right now. Does it matter if you want to hear from PB today? Because he's not here. He'll be back next week, and you'll get him the rest of the year. You have me today, and I want to be here. And I love all of you, and I have a word for you. All right? Connect your heart. Let's just pray really fast, because that's the thing that matters. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now that every person under the sound of my voice, whether it's in this room or online or listening later, I thank you, Father God, that our hearts are connected. I thank you that we have ears to hear, not just hear, to listen. I thank you that we have eyes to see, our spiritual eyes beyond our small thinking and our emotions, I thank you, Father God. I thank you that you anoint my lips today, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I, you're probably wondering about this. I am, to a fault, a visual person. <laughs> I love, you know, PB's mentioned it over the years. I like design, I like colors, I like, I'm just visual. I like aesthetics, and I don't apologize for it. For some reason, God put this in me, right? You have your thing. God put that in there. You should be using it. I like visual illustrations. And so these are my orange friends today. And uh, they look exactly the same, except this one's sort of leaning off center. But these are virtually identical oranges. And I want to tell you a little story about where I grew up in Arizona, uh, in the United States, which my husband has repeatedly reminded everyone I'm from, (laughs) the United States. Uh, where I grew up in Arizona, uh, back, I'm going to age myself now, but it's okay. Back in the 1970s, when I was a little girl, we had orange orchards, like rows and rows of, it's, I, you know, I don't remember specifically if there were other citrus fruits, but I know there were just rows and rows and acres of orange orchards. And I remember when I was a little girl, um, I was born in the state. Um, I remember when we would drive past these orchards because back when I was little, there wasn't a whole lot else. There weren't all the houses and uh, sprawl there is there today. And I just remember being fascinated because they painted the trunks of these orange trees white. I think it had something to do with insects. Or something. I, I probably should have known that. I have no idea why they did it. But to see all these hundreds of acres of orange trees with these white trunks, it was kind of cool. It was just, I don't know, it was just almost in a weird way. It was surreal looking. It looked like it was painted. And uh, when I went to visit my girls who are living in Arizona right now, uh, I visited their church. And there was a uh, This is funny, because I'm going to say there was an older lady there, even though I know I'm also now an older lady, but a little older than me, and she said that she had also moved to Arizona when she was a little girl, and she also was awed by these you know, rows and rows of orange orchards, and she said that um, when she got a little older, the one thing she wanted to do was to find one of these trees and pick an orange off and eat it. Just, you know, right off the tree. Can you imagine? Like, just kind of making me want to open one of these right now. Just the juiciness and the sweetness. So she said she finally got an opportunity to try one of these oranges. She was out somewhere in her car. And she, you know, just like in a mall or something. And she found one of these beautiful orange trees. And she picked one off. And she said she like opened, she went and sat in her car and she opened it and she took a bite and she said it was the nastiest, most bitter, not sweet, sour, disgusting orange she had ever tasted. And so, you know, obviously she was really disappointed and disillusioned and I don't know, maybe she thought about moving, but she shared this with somebody and they said, oh no, they said, uh. No, you, yeah, the orange orchards, they grow the sweet oranges, like the oranges that they sell, because we have beautiful weather in Arizona, but we also have decorative oranges, and they're nasty, and you obviously got one of those, but they look exactly the same. They look exactly, you can't tell until you taste it. You can't tell until you open it, and, you know, it's actually in your mouth, and, uh, she said, the person described the tree as an ornamental orange tree. And then she said this to all of us in the room. She said, are you ornamental Christians? And that's what we did, but much louder. Because in the States, we're super loud. We're all like, oh, and you know. But then, being visual, I just kept envisioning it. And, you know, I'd, I'd seen these orchards as a little girl and... I just kept envisioning her taking the bite of this and thinking ornamental and then ornamental Christian. And it bugged me. Like it just, I couldn't, you know? I couldn't get it out of my head. So of course I looked it up. Ornamental, decorative, bitter, sour. I heard somebody say on Instagram the other day, COVID took away people's smell. It also took away their manners. For show, non-functional. Difficult to use. It's not good. It's not good. But the opposite, the opposite of an ornamental orange would be unembellished. I mean, to me, they look exactly the same. But I guess once you open it up, there's something more to it, and it's just how it's meant to be. It's not just decorative. It's pure effective. That's the word that stood out to me effective, not ornamental, effective. And when, you know, when the real us comes out, and that is the real us, are we effective? Or are we difficult to use? Are we putting on a show? Are we ornamental? And I don't know, I just couldn't shake it. So we're going somewhere with this today. Um, Over the last two years, COVID has is, is affected people in a lot of different ways. But the one thing that I know for sure that kind of seems universal is all the stuff that was already there, that was already deep in us, it just came out. It was already there. And we were tired, extra tired. We were already tired. We were just too busy to notice, right? Our peace seemed like it has just gone. Well, I think that's just an indicator of what we were drawing from, or in this case, not drawing from. And we've all been there. Listen, I've been there. I am right there with you. But we can't stay there if we want to stay effective. And we can't make excuses, while we have limited time on this earth, to affect other people for Christ. We, we just can't. It's a luxury that we do not have, friends. In 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, reads, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and for- foreigners, temporary, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Now, I'm just going to tell them myself, I have struggled with this the last couple of years. I have been edgy. Anyone else would admit, you've just been edgy. I saw an article the other day somewhere online, and it said that since COVID, people are acting weird. And I, you know... I kind of noticed it and I have kind of observed it like my thought from a distance but the reality is it was getting on me it was I could tell anybody else want to just admit you could just people are acting off and um, including Christians including us uh, you know deep inner work is needed and it has to be done it has to be done uh, it can't be avoided because of things that are going on in this world. We can't push it to the side because of something that's happening on the news or you're reading on social media. We're responsible for ourselves. And it's because God loves people. It's always for someone else. It's never just for you. Although it would certainly help all of us and it will change your life if you do that deep inner work but it's because God loves people. Luke 6. 43 through 49. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives, your own. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, that's right. Sir, it's kind of like when we're in church. But never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living, they are foundation words. These are words that should be a part of who we are every single day. Words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you were like a smart carpenter who dug deep, and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house nothing could shake it nothing on the news nothing you're reading nothing's going on in your life and i'm not trivializing it i'm not but we have an anchor in jesus and it's real and it's trustworthy it was built to last but if you just use my words in bible studies and don't work them into your life. This is rough, you were like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. None of us in here, none of us online, none of us wanna wake up one day, none of us plan to say, you know, I'm gonna be a mediocre Christian today. I'm gonna be kinda low-key irritated with everybody. And I'm going to start in my house. And then I'm going to carry it on over to work. And then I'm definitely letting it show up when I'm driving. That's Listen, that's where it always gets me, man, when I'm driving. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm a sweet person. And then I get on the road. You can't be professional at work and then not walk in love at home. You can't be kind in the grocery store and raging when you drive. You can't be patient with your family but difficult to be around other places and you can't be lovely to be around at church but passive aggressive online you can't be two different people guys it doesn't work that way it's it's just for show if that's what we're doing if it's if not who we are uh i have a funny story real quick story so we have a thing in my family because once when i was driving my younger daughter to piano lessons I was venting about something, venting. I was carrying on probably about somebody driving next to me. And, uh, you know, oh, they, uh, I'm just whining and complaining and carrying on it. And it's like I just heard myself for the first time, you know? Have you ever kind of been in that moment where you're just like going on, you're prattling on, and you're like, ew, stop, stop, you know? I looked over, and my daughter sitting next to me in the car, and I said, listen, Paris, I'm sorry, Like, I need to stop that. I said, let's come up with a word that when I start doing that, you can say I'm giving you permission. You will not get in trouble. You say that word to me when I start down this road, whenever and wherever we are, I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's a church. I don't care if we're in front of other people. I want you to say it because I want you to get my attention because I don't want to keep doing this. And so we came up with the word rutabaga. Because it had to be something you wouldn't just hear in normal conversation. <laughs> and I promise you, if you ask any member of my family to this day what rutabaga is, they will tell you that it has to do with me and my mouth. True story. And it works. It gets your attention. You know what? I can believe they said that. I don't know why they posted that. I don't know what they're thinking. Rutabaga, mom. Right. Right. The news, you know what, that, that I would literally wear like the assassin. Somebody should just go assassinate that guy. Why aren't we fixing this? Where's the this? Rutabaga mom? Yes. I think some of us need someone in our life to be staying in Rutabaga, you know, all the time. Of course, we do have someone, it's the Holy Spirit. And if you are thinking about retaliating, to someone who's done something nasty to you, and you're constantly going over scenarios in your head where you're mad and you wish you'd said something worse, the Holy Spirit has left you. You need to get back. That's a red flag, friends. It's not a good place to be. And I'm telling on myself, it's not a good place to be. But we're responsible for our own walk with God. Uh, If we're the light, we can't keep it hidden. If we're salt, we can't be flavorless. If everyone in the earth in the world has lost their flavor and we're supposed to be the salt and the light, what are we bringing to the table if we taste exactly the same? We can't. We can't. We might look the same, but we should taste different. When someone gets a taste of us, we're supposed to be peculiar people. Or are we just kind of bland like everyone else and holding back and hiding our light? And we can't do it, guys. We can't do it. The big question I guess I'm asking today is this. Where is your foundation right now at this moment? Who are you anchored to? Where have we let ourselves go? If we find that when someone's getting a little bite to us, it's not good, it's sour, or it's kind of just for show at church, and then when you get home, you are another person, or it's ineffective. Many people think, and I, I, I used to think this, I grew up in church, I never really made this distinction until I was a little older, that when we've made the decision to receive Jesus, we've asked him to be our Lord and our Savior, that we are instantly discipled and that's not true we have to work to be disciples of Christ when you receive Jesus it is not the end it's the beginning it's the starting gate everything else in the middle all the way to the end is hard work I know this is the message you want it listen it's simple but it's the truth And it's only too simple if it's not true. And it's the truth. We have to get a hold of this. When you've been infused with purpose before you're born, and we all have, whether we feel like it or not, feelings are not good indicators, we all have been infused with purpose. It's different for all of us. But if you've been changed when you receive Jesus, you change. And your story tells a story, all of us. In Romans 8, 28, it says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Every detail. I didn't write this. Every detail. Some of us have some stuff that we can't imagine how God can use that. But he can. That's why he's God, The more parts of our lives that we give to him, the more he can make a way for us. So discipleship. The original disciples were just ordinary guys. They experienced doubt, failure, troubles, distractions, but they were used. They were effective because they kept learning. Church and podcasts and sermons are necessary, but to be disciples means you go deeper. It doesn't stop with those things. It's daily practice. It's personal, deep inner work. When we first make a decision to believe, we're sometimes bringing years of stuff with us. Dysfunctional families, emotional immaturity, anger, doubt, fear, addiction, cynicism, laziness, excuses, and habits, and much more. But to be a disciple means that we have to do the sometimes painful and time-consuming work to dig it out. I want everyone in this room, and if you're watching online, to say this, I need to dig it out. (laughs) Say it one more time. I need to dig it out. This is proactive. This is not Jesus showing up in your bedroom tonight saying, my friend, you've received me And now I'm going to take away all of this and just poof. You don't have anything to do with it. That's not what the Bible says. Your matters, you matter, and your growth always begins in the depths of you. God will show you, but he will not force you. He'll bring people into your life, but he will not force you to do anything. He didn't force you to receive him. He's the same. He won't force you. Good pastors will lead you, but they will not drive. And I think that um, that's really, really important. That was a that was really eye-opening thing for me to really get down inside. Is it's good to have good leaders in your life. It's good to listen to stuff. It's good to be in the room. But you're driving the car. Pruning is vital to your potential, and we need to let him have it, friends. Okay, who loves lists? I've got it. who's a, who, you know, come on, you know who you are. Don't make me be up here by myself. I love lists. When I make a list, it makes me feel like I've already accomplished it. I don't know, I haven't done anything, but I made the list, so see, I got something done. We're going to do a quick list, quick list of five things that will help you disciple yourself. All right, number one, stay close. Just spend time with him. Prioritize it. Set time aside every day. Will things come against you? Yes, they will. It will not look the same every day. Prioritize it anyway. You won't regret it. Prayer, you're not trying to convince him of anything. It proves you're dependent on him. And spoiler alert, God answers prayer. And if you're not sure about that, come talk to me after. Because I can tell you some of the prayers he's answered for me. Have you lost hope over the last few years? I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Kind of in the human race, talking about that. And who made, you made God out to be in your mind. Because we all have a sort of a version of God in our head, don't we? And people, and government, and systems, and leaders. If your hope is built... And anything other than Jesus, it's flawed. It doesn't matter if it's a political party, a person, a cause, a nice thought, it's imperfect. Social media, the news, editorials, TED Talks, your favorite university professor, that podcast, your wise best friend, that prolific blogger, they don't have the answer. They don't, they may say some good things. Good things are awesome. We can learn from each other. But the only way to repair hope in your life and the lives of other people is to anchor yourself to the foundation upon which hope is built, and that means Jesus and nothing else. You can't mix your other loyalties with Jesus. He stands alone. You'll be frustrated your whole life if you don't trust him. Friends, he remains and he is always good. He is always faithful. He will always come through for you. Always. He is not people. He's Jesus. And he's good. He has more for you than you even allow yourself to believe. Number two, learn. Just be motivated by your love for him. Don't be motivated by perfection. Don't you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You don't need to prove anyone wrong when you're learning. That's not your motivation. You're just motivated by your love for him. Not fear, just your love for him. Stay teachable and curious. Pastor Brent and I were talking about that the other night. We saw something online and I I read it to him and I just said, huh. But instead of immediately disagreeing with it, I looked at him and I said, you know, as we get older, I think it's really important that we stay curious and don't immediately shut things down. I think sometimes as we get older, we have the tendency to do that. I don't know, maybe it's just us. But stay curious, stay teachable. Complete regular diagnostics on yourself. Look inward and do the hard work consistently. Check for thinking that doesn't line up with the ultimate truth and identify adjustments that need to be made all the time, all the time. Not just Sundays. Get in the room. Okay, I'm gonna go there. I love everyone online. You know I love you. I'm a loving person. I'm a nurturer at heart, I promise. We miss you. And I know there's a lot of reasons why people are not coming back to church. Remember COVID stuff, craziness, I get that. We all are in a different journey, every one of us. And I'm not downplaying that. I'm not trying to be trite, all right? But we need to be in a room together. If the church is a reflection of Christ, then we need to be devoted. And the church is a reflection of Christ. We need to examine our deeper motives. That's all I'm asking, especially if you're a parent. You really need to get your kids back in church. If you guys are home, I know it's easier. I've had kids. I know it's easier to stay home but man, we can't expect our kids to wake up one day when they're 17 and think, hey, I'm going to go to church even though I haven't been because we stopped going. I'll leave that alone now. Just just something to think about. Um, Another thing, you know, the devil, the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion and lions are predators. Lions don't seek out everyone that's all together. Who do they seek out? The isolated, the disconnected, those that are off on their own. It doesn't mean there aren't reasons they're there. It just means you're vulnerable. We miss you. Come back to the room. We want you to be ready. We don't want you to be coerced because we want you to be really with us in your heart, but we miss you. Number four, do it. You have to be willing to do the work. Forgiveness. Therapy. Nothing wrong with therapy. Listen, guys, there was a time in church where people were like, no, ther- therapy, some of, all of us need therapy to some extent. Listen, if you need it, get it. We all need it. Healing, discipline, boundaries for yourself, conversations, renewing our mind. It can be painful, it takes time, but it equals hope and it equals maturity. It equals affecting the lives of the people around you. How much does God love when we deal with this stuff, when we dig it out? How, what's it like moms when we see our kids succeed? When we see our kids set free of stuff they struggled with, there is nothing like it. How much more must it be for God to see his children rise? I can't even, I can't even imagine it. How much more must he love seeing us set free and grow and mature and do the work and dig it out so that we have more room in ourselves for someone else? You can't have room if all that stuff isn't being dealt with. We gotta dig it out. So what you decide to apply, you're not just looking at it. You're not kind of watching it. You're not watching other people sort of do it. You're implementing it every day. It's a daily practice number 5 someone else Matthew 28:19 Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this I am with you always even to the end of the age When we do the work we get to invest in someone else because we're trustworthy because we're doing the work. It doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean you've got it all together or figured out. It doesn't even mean you necessarily completely have have done the healing fully that you need to do, but because Jesus is involved, that means he's going to use you anyway. Trust he will. Take my word for that. It's time to invest in someone else. Surround yourself with trustworthy leaders. And this is the one I think is probably the biggest takeaway. We have to love like Jesus. We don't just love Jesus and God. We don't just come here and worship. And I love worship, man. Our worship team, I said to them as they were going out, you know how to set a girl up. Goodness, God is good. I was back there having church. I'm like wiping tears. That was incredible. Listen, Amazing, Giving back, investing in you every single week. I'm surrounded by the best people. But we have to love like Jesus. He had patience. He had self-control. I'm going to hold up the orange. He had patience. He had self-control over his words. He had discernment. He took his time with things. He was led by peace. He wasn't led by urgency. He wasn't led by anger. He wasn't led by social media. He wasn't led by his mom. Guys, Jesus wants us on his level. We have to love like Jesus. John 13, verse 34. So I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another Prove to the world that you are my disciples. How do we get there? We have to dig it out. We have to do the work. The first and last things that Jesus said to his disciple Peter was, follow me. I I don't think I, again, something else that just in the last little while I've discovered for myself. And I don't, I mean, I think I knew that. But I didn't understand that when he said, "Follow me both times," they meant different things. The first time he said it to Peter, the disciples, was, "Follow me!" Exclamation point. Follow me. A commitment. Make a commitment. Decide. You're receiving Jesus." The second time he said it to Peter. It was very different. It was, "Follow me. Pleading, follow me if no one else does. Follow me. We have to take responsibility for our own walk with God, our foundation is everything. So, listen, I don't know where everyone is here today. I know some of you fairly well, some of you I just know a little or not at all, and I'm so glad. All of you are here today because you're where you're supposed to be. Like I said, simple message, big ask. Some of you maybe have already taken some of these steps, and that's amazing. And You could probably share with someone the fruit of that because there is fruit if you're taking the steps. There's fruit if you're digging it out. But if you haven't ever taken some of these, listen, you've received Jesus, but you haven't just taken some of these simple steps or you're not consistent or you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're apathetic. Like we were talking about, everyone in the world's kind of acting edgy and off and kind of over it. I just wanna encourage you to take a step, just a step. Making some time every day and guarding that time being aware of what's coming out of you intentionally every single day not just on Sundays not in this building it's when you leave that matters every single day what's coming out of us how are we representing Jesus are we affecting people are they getting the sour there's a continual call every moment of every day to go higher but it's quiet it's quiet it's peaceful every single day of our lives the entire our entire life the entire journey will take there's this call the world's call is loud it's urgent urgent decide 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 Do it, do it do it do it do it and if you don't you're belittled and you're canceled and all of it is gonna be over next week anyway and then there'll be something else That's not how we're called to live. We're called to be mature. God is always pursuing you first. He always is, but we have to slow down and repurpose our entire life around a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you have never made that decision, there's gonna be someone here in a few minutes that's gonna walk you through that prayer and you will never regret it. It'll be the easiest and best decision you have ever made. And you will absolutely spill over into other people's lives because your story tells a story. But you still have to do the work. You still have to disciple yourself. That's how it works. But if anyone in this room or online needed to hear this today, then it was worth turning on the lights because every one of you matters to God, every single one of you and we love you and you're worth it. So we're just gonna say a quick prayer. I want this just to be just a very peaceful sort of ministry moment because I know I just threw a lot at you, kind of came at you with the fire hose, but I just want us all just bow our heads and close our eyes for a second and take a minute to just think about some of the things that I shared for yourself If you're picturing someone else right now, your husband or your wife, your aunt, you know, someone you work with, roll it back. (laughs) Think about yourself right now. Just you, a precious son or daughter of the Most High God. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to forgive us for embracing any lies about who you really are, who we are, for any time we may have wasted, and to help us to invest the time moving forward to work on our own stuff, with your help, with the grace that you've given us to do it, help us to return to the authenticity of our faith with fresh eyes. Thank you for reminding us that this is a lifelong journey of getting to know you, and connecting to you wholeheartedly. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the strength and the grace to take the next step wherever we are. Just want everyone, just think right now about anything that you feel might just be in your heart. Remember, it's usually quiet. It's usually just a very soft, peaceful nudge don't ignore that. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to uh, finish today with a short encouragement for moms. Since I'm a mom and it's Mother's Day and I, I love you all so much and I have been there with you in the trenches. Those of you that have boys, I don't know what that's like, but girls are no joke. <laughs> <laughs> they are not quiet little lambs, let me tell you. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, in the Bible, God used all the time. Marginalized and overlooked people. Why did he do that? He could have used people that were very, very different. He could have used anyone. But he used marginalized and overlooked people because it brought the glory back to him no one could say well that was because of me and how awesome i was listen i'm gonna try to say this without crying because it connects to me on a very personal level but moms i know you feel invisible a lot but oh the work you are doing for the kingdom of god hang in there You may not be seeing all that stuff you're doing, but you are leaving legacy. I don't think we're even going to know until heaven the effects of you not quitting, of you stepping up every day, seen, unseen, appreciated, thanked, not appreciated, not thanked. Don't give up. Stay in it lean into your role there's rewards in heaven for you and i promise you on the other side of this season for those of you with young kids there's rewards for you on earth too hang in there thank you very much happy mother's day everybody